everybody. You are now listening to the Smallville Retro Review section of Across the Airwaves. I am your host, Michael J. Petty, and with me is my awesome co-host. Oh, I'm the awesome co-host, yeah. My time. name is Buez Kim. And yes, the S stands for sexy. <laughs> Whoa. Yes. yes. Dr. Sexy. This cowboy yes. is. Oh, wait, you're not that far in Supernatural yet. Never mind. Anyway... <laughs> Today. Yeah, no spoilers. No, <laughs> no I'm spoilers. Excited. I'm actually the yellow-eyed demon from Metropole. That yeah, that's actually really scary. Yeah. But um, anyway, today. No, no deals. Today and, we're covering Eternal. What? And Neil before Todd. And Neil before Todd. Yes, which is an awesome line. Yes. No lie, ladies and gentlemen. Before we start this. I cracked up for about five minutes after I heard that line. You cracked up after you heard it? I cracked up while he was saying it. Well, I, it lasted for about five minutes. Because that kid looks like the most harmless kid on the planet, and for him to say that line that way, with his arms flailing up, um, Michael and I are really are really big Supernatural fans. If you want to see funny episodes of Supernatural, Wishful Thinking, and what's the other one? The whole? The, yeah. Oh, uh, Mystery Spot. Yeah, Mystery Spot. Yes, those are two episodes. You don't need to know what's happening in the season at all. They're standalones. They're very funny. I know, it's awesome. Yeah. But we are here to talk about two episodes. Isn't that right, Mike? Are we? Really? No. Yeah, yeah, we are. We are. Okay. And no, actually, I am thirst. No. Oh, oh. That got awkward. But <laughs> but in reality, guys, we're actually recording Eternal, or recording about Eternal and Lineage, which closely follow our last episode pilot, because they show you pretty much behind the scenes of what happened in the flashback in the beginning episode. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, I call them like the Pulp Fiction episodes, you know? You know, if, for those of you who have seen Quentin Tarantino's Pulp Fiction, it goes back on scenes from a different perspective, and that's how I view these episodes. Okay, let me be honest here. I was actually watching Pulp Fiction qu quotes before you got online. Oh, no lie? No lie. That, oh. that is a tasty burger. That's very fitting. And does it say dead black man Snorger in front of my house? <laughs> That's weird. Do you see a sign that says dead black man Snorger in front of my house? Does he look like a bitch? Anyway. Oh, by the way, Michael, this is some good coffee. <laughs> this is some really good coffee. You buy the good stuff, don't you? Mm-hmm. Look at the big brain on bread! Yes. By the way, if you've not seen Pulp Fiction, please rent it on Netflix and, or on Blu-ray or on DVD. It's very funny and very good. Maybe one of the best films of the 90s. So good. But anyway, we really need to get on topic because we, yeah, only, we, we only have like 27 minutes left. Yeah, sorry. No. So let's. we're not going to cover it scene by scene because we did that last time and it took too long. So... We're going to start off with Lineage because we're going to go chronologically. Michael, just some quick thoughts about Lineage. Um, lineage really um, filled in some gaps for me. 
because ever since I saw the pilot and was watching season one, I'm like, how are the Kents getting away with having Clark, knowing that he's from another planet and no one knows where he really came from? So this episode really helps that. It also really um, shows us why Jonathan Kent has such a big problem with Lionel Luther, and I think that's a very important part of the series. Yeah, not only with Lionel, but with Lex. And I, and I think the first appearance of Lionel and the Kents you see, and this is a uh, this is a credit to John Scheider, the first time Jonathan lays eyes on Lionel, and what is the one with um, the guy that like shivers all over and takes over the treatment plant in season one? Um, oh. Like shivers or something like that? No, Tremors? jitters. Jitters, thank you. I know it was one of those. You can tell that Jonathan and Martha know who Lionel is, and they've had experience. They know who he is, and they've interacted with him before, but we've never seen that. Yeah, and not till Lineage, which filled in gaps there. Which was directed by Greg Beeman, by the way. And written by, well, the story was by Miles now. Yeah, but the teleplay was by Kenneth Biller, so. Yeah, he wrote a lot of episodes of the second season. The, uh, we're not going to go scene by scene, but I just wanted to point out the first scene of the teaser. Just because it's just so mundane. It's so mundane, and it's so, you know, well done of, like, here the Ken's just having breakfast, and it has one of my favorite shots of Clark, like, cooking his toast mm -hmm. with the, his heat vision, which I always thought, even in Lois and Clark, I thought, why does Clark have a stove? Why doesn't he, he just use his heat vision to cook his meals? You know, yeah. my heat vision, that's what I do. Exactly. Heat up that steak in the freezer. Yeah. And, and, um... The teaser goes on, the kids go along with their day, and this red-headed woman comes out of the tool shed and just eyes the, eyes the barn and eyes the, the Kent farm. We cut back to the school. Um, Chloe, Clark, and Pete are talking about... This is really funny of season two. They always start off the episodes either before the teaser or after the teaser with... Um, what ha just happened in class, but we never see the class, which I find funny. Well, we see it in Heat, but yeah. that's the only time we ever see a class. Yeah, and this woman reveals to Clark that she is not that she is actually Clark's birth mother, which I I won't I won't my pity. You know what I thought to myself right when she said that? What? You're not Laura. <laughs> You're not Laura. You're not You're her. Not Laura. She's dead. You you're, can't you're be not, her. You're not the beautiful woman that he's Helen Slater. Exactly. People complain that um, Julian Sands or Terrence Stamp do not look like um, Tom Welling, but I can see a definite resemblance between um, Helen Slater and Tom Welling. Yeah, and I, I can I, somewhat see one between um, him and Julian Sands if I can't Clark too. was younger. Yeah. I can well, sort of see it. Relic when we do the podcast for Relic. Yeah, Relic and Candor when we do that one. Yeah, but anyway, the whole the whole episode is centered around you know lost children and they're wanting to reconnect with parents again. And um, Rachel Dunleavy, I will say this: I don't know if it was Lionel's influence or just that you know she was just chemically imbalanced, but this woman. What, re watching this episode really got on my nerves and was really kind of creepy. 
Oh my gosh, she, yes, she was creepy. Like when she you tied Lex up, up, she's like, I'm sorry, Lex, I have to kill you now. I'm like, why? Why do you have to kill her? She was like talking to herself a lot. Yeah. No. No. Yeah, it was weird. Just like that. It was just weird. Yeah, it's really weird. There really I was did... no point to her character at all. Just for this, like, one episode and then to explain Lucas Luthor later, but... Which is, who's also played by, who's played by Paul Wesley. For, for those of you who are Vampire Diaries fans, like, I know Michael J. Kenny is. That's okay. a joke, by the way. Yes, it is. Um, he plays, um, St Stefan in, um, the show, um, The Vampire Diaries. Mm -hmm. With another small bell alumnus, um, I can't remember the guy's name, but he played, um... Adam Knight. Adam Knight, the next season, which I find very funny that these, these two guys have a close connection with Lana, because Lana attracts his... Christian Kirk attracts his stalkers. Wait, that guy's name is Ian Summerholder, right? Ian Summerholder, yes, thank you for that. Some weird name. Yeah. Pretty much... The good points in this episode are the flashback. Is it not Penny? Yeah. Basically, the whole episode is really revolved around these flashbacks about how Clark was adopted, how the Luthers and the Kems first met, and really how Clark and Lex were destined to be uh, enemies, really. Yeah. I love it. Not to... Because we are going to jump a little bit all over the place because we have... So, only a, a little bit of time. I love the scene when they're in the truck, the four of them, Martha, Jonathan, Lionel, Lex, and Clark. Well, I guess that would be five, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, five. And um, young Clark um, takes his hand and brushes it up against Lex's now bald head, or balding head. Yeah. Lex just smiles at him and like goes goes back to sleep. I find that, I find that really ironic, and I find that kind of touching in a way. Yeah, absolutely, I agree with that. Yeah. Are we going to talk Henry Small, or do we just want to bypass that? Well, 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 here's the thing about that. I, I, thank you for picking that up, because I did want to cover that. Just in the case of, Lana's storyline is kind of, kind of, kind of dumb and kind of useless in this, like, not even, this storyline in particular for her is very useless and very kind of stupid. And um, the guy that plays Henry Smaldo, who is Lana's biological father, did play um, Leslie Luckabee on the fourth season of Lois and Clark. He he was the, the he was the fake son of Lex Luthor on Lois and Clark. Huh. Yes. Yeah. yeah I've only seen the pilot for that show, so I don't yeah. know. So if you recognize if you recognize this guy, he has been on Lois and Clark. That storyline was just almost a clock was a good one, but it was misplaced. But that's another show for another time. Um, I think the real money of this episode is um, John Schneider. Yes. And Annette O'Toole, because you really don't know what they're hiding. Mm -hmm. The cats are very standoffish about what actually did happen. Yeah. And for those of you who have watched, um, the season prior, in season one, Chloe is the one that really gets the, the ball rolling with this because for an assignment in season one, they were supposed to do a background check, and Chloe mentions that there was only, when Clark was adopted, the adoption agency that adopted him only adopted one kid, and that was him, 
and then we find out in lineage that that um, the the adoption agency was founded by Luther Corp. Right, and we actually they actually really did two adoptions. One of them was never taught or spoken about, and that was Lucas Luther, which is yes. Lionel's other illegitimate child besides Tess Mercer. Yeah, one of his many. Yeah, one of his many children. One of his many Ill illegitimate children, and to also give you a little bit more backstory on Lady Dunleavy, she was William Luther's one of William Luther's nurses, who Lionel, one of who he slept with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there was the other one, which I can never remember her name. Um, who's Tessa's I mother? We'll, I think we'll omit that when we if we do abandoned because I think we will do a crush and abandoned together because those two are linked. Okay. And I'll I'll tell you later, Penny, because the because the other nurse she plays a big role in abandoned and when we find out Tess's actual bloodline, no pun intended. Yeah. Yeah. But but anyway, Rachel Dunleavy, um. She works pretty fast because in this one episode, she not only talks to, talks to Clark, she talks to Lex, Lionel, and the Kents in like one episode. For an older lady, she moves around pretty fast. Yeah, you're almost wondering, is she really Lara? She's super speed. <laughs> I personally never thought that, but okay. No, it was a bad joke. Anyway, moving on. I don't know where we're going with that. But uh, I I just have to mention um a um Allison Mack looks really beautiful in this episode like she always does. Well, you say that and, every time. And um they're still kind of playing as kind of a subplot the Chloe Lana Clark love triangle because I don't even think Alan Miles knew at that point where they wanted to go with that. Mm -hmm. Because at that point, he could, he could go either or. Well, Chloe becomes Lois. So. <laughs> oh, Alright. Um, Hacks. Hacks. Hacks is my proof. And no. No, that's. No, we can't steal that joke. That one's off. <laughs> Copy, copyright. Copyright Steve Gloss. Yes. And, uh, no, stop. We're gonna get sued. We're gonna get sued. Moving on. So later, basically, Rachel after Rachel Dunleavy is rejected by Clark, and yes, she is utterly rejected. Um, rejected by everyone, really. Yeah, rejected by everyone, really. But she decides she's gonna kidnap uh, Lex if Lionel doesn't tell everyone that Clark is his son, which obviously is wrong. But she yeah. thinks she's right. So, anyway. And by, by the way, how much of a D-bag did Michael Rosenbaum look in those shades when Rachel Dunleavy um, kidnaps him? You know, I thought he looked really cool. I'm like, that's I awesome. I thought he looked like a D-bag. I'm like, that's awesome. And then she whacks him. Then she whacks him. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And, and for those who are keeping track, this is the time in seasons, season two where... When Lionel is blind. Yeah. Lionel's so blind. He, so he is like, even, but here's the great thing about John Glover, and the one scene where he's talking to Rachel Dunleavy, he's still as, 
as coy, as sly, as snake-like, and as condescending as ever. Yeah, it doesn't matter if he's blind or not. He's still yeah. a magnificent bastard. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, again, you have to really wonder, was Lionel really wrong? We find out in the episode, was Lionel really wrong to bribe this woman to keep her mouth shut and to, like, put her away in, like, a, in, a, psychi in a psychiatric ward? Well, yeah, she really does show how crazy she really is. Yeah. And I don't think it's necessarily because of Lionel, because of the way she acts and goes about it. Yeah. So, and, something to think about. And throughout the and throughout the episode, I, I did want to mention this one, like, um, this one scene where um, Jonathan, Martha, and young Clark are in the can living room because this is one of those things along with we see also in the episode what we did what i kind of thought we missed out on in the pilot the classic um jonathan can putting the ship in the pickup truck and driving away also the argument between martha and jonathan yeah because we do see more of that in this than in pilot yeah, and well, we didn't have really time for it, but this is yeah. something that we see in the animated series and in the um, Donner movies. I think it's also in the comics, too, like po like Silver Age and post-Silver Age. Yeah. And Jonathan Kent really doesn't, doesn't want this kid for logistical reasons. Mm -hmm. And Martha, like, um, so has her heart set on having a child. Right, right. Yeah. And I love that Martha names him Clark out of the spur of the moment. Mm-hmm. Which really raises the question when you watch Luther in season 10. Why did he name him Clark? Well, you know what? I, and I'm glad you brought that up, too. What if he named him, named him Julian? That, whoa. That's a brain twister. Yeah. What if Julian Luther never was born in the first place? What yeah, if, that's a good point. I, I know I'm going to use the name Kal-El here so people aren't confused. What if Kal-El was named Julian Luther? Well, it would make sense because then Lionel wouldn't need to make another heir after Lex. Yeah. And I think it would have been more creepy, too. Uh, no kidding. But, but I love when little Clark hugs Martha. I think that's in like in almost every incarnation of like Superman from the comics to Lois and Clark to the animated series Absolutely. to, of course, the Donner films that Clark hugs um, Martha. Mm -hmm. And um, we have to touch a little bit on Lionel and um, Jonathan before we move on to, to um, Eternal. Okay. I love the fact that... Um, that the last scene of the Kents in this episode is in the barn, and Lionel and Jonathan's rivalry over Clark started in the barn and really ended in the barn in the in the hundredth episode. Yeah, I find I find that very ironic, and I also find it very ironic that we now know how Lionel Luther got his foothold in the, in Smallville because of. Because of um, being selfish, mm -hmm. because of like you know protecting himself, and I really would have 
love to have seen Pete Ross realize the truth behind it all. Yeah. Because Pete holds nothing back with his hatred with the Luthers. No, he doesn't. And to find out that it was actually Jonathan that opened the door for Lionel Luther, I wonder what would have happened to Pete in season two, and really in season three, because they even say that season three, when Lionel Luther bought the Ross's cream corn plant, that's what really got the ball rolling as a Pete family like breaking apart. Yeah. Which has got to really hurt Jonathan. Yeah, and I think it does. Like You see it when Pete gets kidnapped. Absolutely. In season three. I think it's his last episode in season three, actually. Uh, it might be. But we find out, and this is the first time we actually see John Glover or Lionel Luther actually threaten, you know, threaten somebody and be a kind of a slimy bastard. I mean, we've seen a, a little bit of it, but we've only heard about it. Right. Yeah. And then we find out Jonathan made his deal with the devil. Um, and then we, and then we, we see the guilt that's on his face, really for the rest of the, of the series. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll get we're going into Eternal now. Yes, yes we are. And yeah. Eternal is in season eight, so that's six seasons later. And yeah. now we have Lex is apparently dead. Tess is now in the main cast, and so is Davis Bloom, who we all know as Doomsday. Yes, but if you didn't, but if you weren't listening to to Smallville news or had no idea who this guy was playing, they did such a good job. By the way, this episode is directed by um, Smallville great director James Marshall and written by showrunners, new showrunners Brian Peterson and Kelly Sowers. Mm -hmm. But the showrunners did an excellent job. If you didn't listen to shoot or um, Smallville News, excuse me, uh, or or any of the podcasts, they did a really good job of masking who Davis Bloom really was. When the season started, you had no idea who this guy was, what what his deal was. They hinted to murders happening through Metropolis, but you really didn't know what was going on. Right. And when we get to Eternal, first of all, it, it was great to see like some pilot scenes in HD. Yes. For me. Yeah, I thought it was good too. Yeah, I like that. And in the teaser, we see how how Davis Bloom was attached to um, Clark's ship. I think by Brainiac in season seven when he back went back in time. Yeah. Is that fair, Penny? That is very fair. I agree. Yeah. I think it was orders by um, Davis's father, Zod, and his mother, Feyora, to attach um, Davis's, Davis's DNA, which looked like something out of Power Rangers, the egg that he hatched himself out of. Yeah, it look, if you've seen the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie, it looks like Ivan Ooze's egg, almost. Okay, yes, thank you. I'm glad I'm not the only one who thought that. No, absolutely not. I love the Power Rangers. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. a lot's happened in this season so far. I'm not going to, for the purposes of this, because it's too huge, I'm not going to tell you what, we're not going to tell you what happened at, in, at the end of season eight. It's just too big. Right. 
It's just too big. I, we will say, though, Jimmy and Chloe get married. Jimmy gets um, suspicious about Davis Bloom for good reason. Um, Jimmy gets frustrated that Chloe doesn't trust him. He breaks up with Chloe. Chloe gets really attached to Davis, who's already in love with Chloe. And Clark and Davis, they don't really get along right off the bat. No, they really don't. And really, this episode is the only episode you really see them somewhat get along or care for each other in. Well, you can see, I mean, it starts in the episode 4, the season 8, Prey, when all these really mass murders kick into high gear. And even still, like, Davis like, and Clark just don't get along with but Davis by himself has been learning all, all about his origins through his mother, Feora, who, who visits him earlier in the season, and by Milton Fine, a.k.a. Brainiac, through Chloe, what his true purpose is. Mm. And, and he tries to aim it in a different way, in a, in a quote-unquote good way, by trying to kill bad people, but um, Tess Mercer has different plans. Right, and we and we see that Tess has um, one of Lionel's journals, which talks about the day of the meter shower, and we see a flashback to Pilot. We see uh, Jonathan and Martha with Clark, but we also see it from this little boy Davis's perspective. We see that he's hiding, and right as Jonathan and Martha leave, a bunch of Luther Corp goons come and get him. And after that, they bring him to Luther Mansion, where they run tests on him and all that to see if he's really the Traveler. And, and if you're confused about the Traveler, go watch Season 7. Yeah, just watch the last, I don't know, 10 episodes of Season 7. And all of good. that gets explained, because we don't have enough... Because that has been retconned in and of itself between season 7 and season 10. Right. Yeah, what the Traveler is. But, but Tess has pieced all these things together so she thinks. Right. She knows Clark is the blur. I'm not going to say red-blue because it's, just, it's too much of a mouthful for me. Okay. She knows that Clark is a superhero. Yes. But what she's learned through the journals and what she's learned through, like, miraculous saves... And, and really with Davis, learning this through um, Tess and learning it through Brainiac and his own experiences, he's really trying to fight himself, but it's almost like a puma trying to not eat a deer. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, for those of you who don't know, and I'm trying to keep this short and sweet as I can, Doomsday is only purpose in life is to kill and destroy everything in his path, including Superman. And especially Kryptonians. Yeah, especially Kryptonians. And it's in his genetic nature. Just like it's in a spider's genetic nature to, to eat an insect it's you know, captured. Right. Right. So, so Clark and Chloe figure out what, what Davis has been doing because... And I, and I thought this was a nice touch, even though it was kind of convenient, that Davis is killing all these people to stop the beast from coming out. But he buries all of them in the field that Clark landed in in Pilot. Yes, very poetic. And kind of convenient, but whatever it fits. Yeah. And um, through this, we through, through this also, another couple flashbacks, you see Connor Stanhope 
playing Young Lex, who actually had some interactions with Young Davis. Yeah, it's the first time we, we well, not really the first time we see real Lex, because I still think Lex in the season was a clone, but I won't go into that. Yeah. It's the fir it's the first time we see Lex as a kid since last season. Yeah, and really, and really, Lex hasn't really been. I mean, again, he 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 dies a couple episodes earlier, but Lex really isn't talked about. He's more of a specter and a ghost than anything else in season eight and season nine. Yeah. Um, to move a little bit further, in those flashbacks, Davis realizes by getting exposed to meteor rock that there is something that can kill him because he's been, he's I mean to to kinda of sum up, he's been stabbed, he's been shot, he's been cut and he's been blown up and nothing seems to kill him. He always seems to regenerate and come back stronger. And he thinks Kryptonite will. So he re actually really goes to um the Kryptonite cage that Clark was trapped in in season seven by Lionel and he tells Chloe, I need you to pull the trigger. I need you to kill me. And, and this is one of the best scenes in the history of the series. I know on the Starfrost Hasselbell website, I was I was like, criticized a little bit that I voted this one of the greatest episodes in Smallville history. Just be, because of what Clark says to Davis, he always wonders what would have happened if he was found by the Luthers and he was raised by them and you know, instead of the Kents. Yes. And we do find out what really did happen on Earth 3. We do find out what would have happened if Lionel Luther makes Clark. Right. But anyway, um... Yeah, Chloe tries to kill him. Chloe tries to kill him and it doesn't work because he comes back at the end of the episode and he goes, I'm still alive, it just made me stronger. I need you to help me because when I'm around you, I will not kill Clark. Yeah. And Chloe... I mean, this is this is where Chloe starts to be hated by the fans after this. And look at it from Chloe's point of view. She's trying to save two people, but but like our friend Derek said, doing it in the stupidest way possible. Yeah. Doing it in the dumbest way possible. And um. And some people disagree with me. I don't care. I've always thought Naman and Sagid were. Davis and Clark. Yeah. I've always thought this. If you don't know what we're talking about, Naman and Sagid was a um, um, storyline in season two. And really, they did a really good job of keeping that going until season eight. Yeah, they did. And we'll probably cover that episode later. But yes. We, but we kind of have to wrap this up because yeah. we don't get a whole episode this time, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately, we do not get a full episode. But um, like I said, I'm not gonna spoil season eight because it's too big of a storyline. But I will say this though: Michael and I will cover Luther. Yes. And hopefully, we will get a whole episode because it really does. I mean, of all our favorite episodes, Descent. Um. What's another? What's another one? Season season three opener. Uh, Exile and Phoenix. Exile and Phoenix, and Lineage and Eternal, and I think and the very top storyline that Luther's written by Brian K. Miller, and he seems to wrap all this up in a nice 
Ultraman bow in Luther. Yes. He does it very well. He does. But it's a great episode. If you haven't seen it, we recommend it highly. Yeah, Smallville is on. It's not out on DVD. It's not going to be out on DVD and Blu-ray until November, but it's available on Amazon Unbox, Dune Marketplace for 360 and Zoom, and, of course, Apple iTunes. But we have to wrap things up. Next time, hopefully, we'll be talking about Relic and Candor. Yes, and for those of you who are wondering, just real quick, yes, last time we said we were going to cover Justice, Dan and I were going to cover Justice, but things obviously didn't work out. So hopefully we'll get that done before, well, in a few weeks. Also, you guys can contact us either by Twitter or by email. You can email us at acrosstheairwaves at gmail.com. Just specify that you're emailing about our Smallville section and not the regular podcast. And you could also contact us via Twitter. Woo is at WSK9002. And I am at MJPetty7. So you can contact us both through those means as well. But anyway, until then, I'm your host, Michael J. Petty. I'm with And we will see you guys next time on our Smallville Retro Review. Thanks, guys. She was a fast machine, she kept